Welcome to Feminist Question Time, brought to you by Women's Declaration International, the leading global organization defending women's sex-based rights against the threats posed by gender identity ideology. There is more information on the website womensdeclaration.com, where you will find our declaration on women's sex-based rights, which has been signed by 35,386 people from 160 countries, and it is supported by 495 organizations. We have over 100 volunteer activists, including 53 country contacts, engaged in defending women's rights. Please join us as a volunteer. This week, we have Lucia Gian-Siracusa from Italy. She's going to tell us about the Italian paradox, we will have also Nif from Ireland uh, talking about indoctrination in TK groups. And we'll also have um, Tracy Dempsey from North Ireland. She will tell us um, about the North Northern Ireland demonstration the, uh, last week. So we're about to begin with uh, Lucia. Lucia Gensiracusa, she's one of the country contacts for Italy of WGDI, and she's an activist uh, for Archie Lesbica. And she is going to tell us uh, a brief update on the Italian political situation and how the concept of inclusivity has gone awry. Hello, everybody. Uh, my report from Italy is titled The Italian Paradox, and um, I think this is the most suitable way to describe our situation in uh, this period. Uh, many of you know that uh, our Prime Minister is, for the first time, a woman. She was elected in uh, September uh, 2022. Unfortunately, she belongs uh, to the extreme right. She leads the most right-wing government we ever had. Her party is called Fratelli d'Italia, Brother of Italy, and hails in a straight line from fascism. Of course, there has been some cosmetic changes over the years, but this is not your standard conservative party. This is a real extreme right-wing party. However, she's the first female prime minister and she's from the right because the left has never accepted a woman as a leader until a few weeks ago. In fact, also uh, now, also uh, the main opposition party, which is a central left, has a woman, a lesbian, as a leader. So are these women in uh, top job good news? Not particularly. This prime minister does not even want to be called with a feminine title. Like other successful right-wing female politicians all over the world, she's not a feminist, even if she's taking advantage of the feminist struggles that have paid the way for her. But this type of wo woman prefers to see her success as an exclusive result of her own personal ability and denies the importance of feminism. Being a feminist means to feel a connection in gratitude to the women who came uh, before us, to connect with the women in solidarity and feel a special responsibility vis-a-vis -vis of the women of future generation. This is not what she does. She prefers to consider herself as a strong, lone woman at the helm. Her ideas on women and family are very traditional. We cannot expect her to defend a women's freedom. 
Her party is not so keen on abortion, and some MPs would like to pass a law which makes the unborn child a fully-fledged person, which in turn would uh, make abortion a murder. The idea is that a pregnant woman is a container of a man's child in the best of Aristotelic tradition. This, woman, this idea of the woman as a simple container of the unborn child is a philosophical basis to deprive women of freedom over their own body and pregnancy. If the woman is only a container, the unborn child should be considered a person growing according to his own potency, not thanks to the mother body. But we know that an unborn child is not a separate entity from the mother, and without a mother consent, its survival is impossible. Only if we recognize that the relationship mother and born child is essential and unique can we have a theoretical ground to support women's freedom. Since they see uh, women as container, they should in theory accept surrogacy where women are used as containers to carry children for others. But the paradox is that they are against surrogacy. It is an illogical position, but at least we won't have a law introducing surrogacy in Italy for the time being. In fact, in Italy, surrogacy is illegal, but there is not a clear law on the issue of registration of both parents, that is the buyers of the child, in the register office if surrogacy is carried out abroad. In this gray area, there are battles in court and in some register offices. A month ago, there has been a directive from the Home Office forbidding the registration of both parents of the same sex. The LGBT movement shouted that in this way the child would be without rights, but this is not true. The child is currently registered as the son or daughter of the biological parent and the other member of the couple can apply for adoption. The LGBT movement is not happy with this procedure because uh, through automatic registration, they would like to make surrogacy carried out abroad an easy solution for the uh, gay couple. While uh, leftist parties spend their time supporting this LGBT request, the right-wing parties have been good in pointing out the social problem of working people and poor people in Italy, and they got voted in government. The problem is that their solutions are not good for women, nor for most men, nor for migrants or working class people. Listing all the negative laws they are working on would take up the whole time of this seminar. I just want to mention the taxation law as an example. They want to introduce a so-called flat tax so that everyone will pay the same percentage of tax, no matter if you are a rider or a banker. Another paradox. The first minister is not the type of woman who is easily frightened. She projects an aura of strength. This is a good sign for girls who see that women can arrive at the top. But she's not choosing any policy in favor of women. Women are not a reference point as they are for us feminists. However, she's against self-ID. At least this buys us time to carry uh, on with our work of raising awareness about the danger of gender identity. A few weeks ago, also the main opposition party, as I said, has elected for the first time ever a woman as a leader. 
She has fairly leftist social policy, and this is good, after years and years when the left in Italy could hardly be distinguished from the center-right. Unfortunately, she does not seem sympathetic to the radical feminist positions. We have asked her for a meeting uh, explaining our position in a letter on surrogacy signed by over 200 feminists so that she can see that there is not only the queer lobby in Italy. So far, the letter has been acknowledged, but no meeting has been set. So feminists in Italy find themselves between a rock and a hard place. Well, we are not going to give up. We will keep on doing what we have been uh, doing so far, try to clarify the various issues, explaining and exposing queer jargon, and keeping women's well-being and freedom as our political North Star. To summarize the political situation in Italy, some bad laws like surrogacy and self-ID are on hold at the moment, but the cancer culture keeps on going on. I will give you an example by explaining what happened to Archie Lesbica a few weeks ago. Recently in Italy, uh, Italy passed a new regulation, um, a new law regulating association, but uh, there was an, an obstacle to overcome if, uh, as Archie Lesbica wanted to be listed in the register of non-profit organization, which give access to local and European funding. The new legislation is being touted to be inclusive, so it will not allow an association to bar men from joining, even if we are a lesbian association. For them, if we did not accept men, we were discriminating. It was suggested we should replace the word woman with the word person for membership in our statute. We did not want to do that, and for months we had to battle the red tape and finally, we were admitted to a sort of miscellaneous category, not the main one we were supposed to be in. As the legislation is new, not even expert can tell us which limitation, if any, this will imply. In any case, we are not going to let it drop and we are going to find a way to submit a formal protest. The fact that a lesbian association has no member in its membership is deemed by the state to be a discrimination. The message from the state is, if you work only with women, you are not worthy to be taken into serious consideration by the public, uh, public institution. So socially, we are taken into consideration only if men are present. Inclusivity does no longer mean preparing a level play field for people who are discriminated in society, but it's now simply the silly idea that everyone should participate no matter what. A similar change has happened to the concept of intersectionality, which is no longer a way to understand how different types of oppression may cross and overlap but the idea that everyone has on their own problems. So everyone is in the same boat, no matter if you are a man or a woman, black or white, rich or poor. The concept of inclusivity has blinded politics and institutions, which are now very happy to avoid thinking of what real discrimination is. And this shows that the concept of inclusivity has become a fashionable catchphrase at best and a political danger in a lot of cases. In this way, women's freedom of association is limited and freedom of thought is constantly threatened. 
In recent months, feminists in Italy had the usual share of deplatforming and insults. All of you have experienced this type of situation, but we are really fed up. If we think, if they think that uh, they can frighten us into silence, they have another thing coming. Being a lesbian taught me that there are words which may be frightening to utter at the beginning, but if we do not say them aloud, they will stay inside festering. If we accept in silence all the insult and nonsense that our adversaries are spreading, we will feel bad and we will not save ourselves. We have to carry on and focus on the advantages and pleasure to connect with women. In particular, we are organizing a residential school to be held in Northern Italy in September, and you are all invited. We have to care, uh, take care of ourselves in a world that does not care for women. One thing is certain, if each of us dare to take an extra step out of our comfort zone, no one will be able to put us down. I think there are two things that are very important to us just now. Uh, I'm starting from Italy, but also listening to what the other people, um, women have said uh, today. Uh, one is uh, to meet in person. No, also Tracy was saying how it's important it's been for them, and and um, I imagine also what happened in uh, in London with the first uh, WDI convention. So I think it's very important to meet every week uh, online, but uh, meeting person is uh, something that really uh, give us strength to to go on. So maybe to. Uh, to pass around the information about uh, about meetings when uh, we are in person. And I think this could be also useful to youngsters because uh, I have the impression that sometimes these uh, uh, young uh, lesbians, uh, feminists, don't have uh, many connection with older um, lesbian and uh, feminist. I remember when I was young, for me, it was very, very important to try and find an older, older lesbians. They show me that it was possible to live as a lesbian, even as a butch lesbian, um, without thinking of uh, transitioning. Uh, so um, maybe that is something that uh, young people lack in uh, in this this moment and the second thing uh, um, i think it would be important is more in institution in a way but um, i think we need to be more present in the international uh, scene uh, like uh, the european uh, um, commission and things like that because for instance in italy we have um, uh, now we had this pro european proposal on affiliation relationship that allows um uh, also a couple to uh, to travel supposedly is to to travel in a smooth way without a problem with their children in actual fact it may be a way of having uh, children from surrogacy uh, brought in uh, into the country without any problem so the european commission put all this um um input in uh, in our um, uh, individual uh, legislation and uh, we should try to push back at international level not only at um, national level we'll have Nif. 
She comes from Ireland and she will uh, tell us about the indoctrination in uh, TQ groups. So, um, because she is uh, talking about being a lesbian, persuaded she that uh, persuaded she before that she was queer. And that happened at the major TQ NGO in Ireland. So she's going to tell us about her experience. I am a 24-year-old lesbian from Dublin, and I attended a group called Belong To, which is a charity set up in 2003 um, based in Dublin. And they have various groups throughout the day, uh, throughout the week, with different members of the LGBTQ umbrella um, for each one. They have the under 18s, the over 18s, um, individuality and ladybirds. Ladybirds is set up to be for LBT girls and non-binary pals. Um, so it's not female only. And it's not oh, it's not under an over 18, it's not split. And I don't believe that individuality is. And that means that there's 14 year olds mixing with 23 year olds talking about sexuality and gender identity, which is worrying. Um, but at the time when I was attending, I didn't see it as an issue as such um, because it just seemed so normal. So when when I attended belong to the, the group that I went to was the Sunday group, which is now disbanded and broken into the under 18s and over 18s um, due to an incident that allegedly occurred and they had to separate the groups, but it was 14 to 23 year olds at the time. So I was 17 when I attended um, and that meant that I was mixing with 14 year olds and also 23 year olds and sometimes older than that. The groups are broken into leaders who are volunteer workers. Um, they, they kind of coordinate the group. When you first go in, there's like a 45 minute mingling session um, where you get to talk to your peers, hang out, tea, coffee, and then it starts with the leaders sitting everyone down and going through the group one by one you have to say your name your pronouns your sexuality and a fact about yourself and the first time I attended I had been told by my friend who brought me that it was a gay, sort of gay club where I could meet other lesbian or bisexual girls my age um every there was about 15 people ahead of me going through their pronouns and sexuality and announcing it to the group every single one of them ahead of me was trans identified or non-binary and I was immediately uncomfortable even though I wasn't really sure how I how I felt about the trans thing I was new to it and I, but it was just very intense the the pronoun thing and I felt so embarrassed to just say oh I'm a girl I'm I'm just a girl I'm just a lesbian and then the after that then the conversation is a certain topic each week and the topics were 
troubling now in hindsight, very troubling for adults to be discussing with children. I'm going to focus on belong to just because that's what I have experience in, but I'm going to break it down into the steps of mind control that are used in cults, um, just because that's how it feels for me personally, that the behavior was and there's similarities you can see. Um, so the steps I'll go through and kind of compare them with what happened in belong to. So the steps of mind control are identify the potential recruit, persuade the recruit to walk into the web. Love bombing is a huge part of it. Selling the idea and tough love, which is kind of the separating them from their network, um, which was a big part of belong to. Renouncing loved ones, introduction to the core beliefs and zero tolerance for criticism. Identifying the new recruits, obviously it's LGBTQ teenagers from 14 onwards. Belong to does go into schools in Dublin um, to give talks and to teach, <laughs> teach the staff how to be inclusive, um, but just how cults do this, that there's a failure to find a profile of a cult victim. Um, just one second. Despite many scholars looking for such, however, prominent scholar Margaret Singer found that people in a normal life blip, such as a normal transition, or in the case of belong to, teenagers figuring themselves out, maybe questioning their sexuality, identity, maybe uncomfortable with their bodies. Um, and they're, they're the more at risk people to be captured by ideologies. In the case of belong to, when I attended, obviously I can't speak to before and after, but the majority, I'm going to say about 80% of the people I could notice had very obvious eating disorders or were self-harming. And I could recognize that myself because I was experiencing that as well. I was receiving help. Thankfully, my parents supported me and brought me to therapists and but the, the the other people that were attending belong to specifically the ones that were identifying as trans were not receiving help outside of belong to the only help that they were getting talking about their mental health was talking about their gender identity in belong to they were not going to therapy outside of that um, belong to does have a huge following on social media across including on TikTok where they have 2,308 followers so it's reaching a young demographic um, including I believe 11 year olds are following. Um, in 2021 a huge thing that they did which casted out a net to more children was the pledge packs that were sent out to schools that were asking secondary school children to pledge that they would normalize the use of pronouns amongst other things. And that was backed by and collaborated with belong to, um, which in my opinion is very concerning um, to have children pledging allegiance to any sort of ideology 
and the parents were not going to be informed. Someone caught wind of it. I believe the, the group, the Countess, did write a piece about it and alerted parents to it, but it was going to be done without the parents' consent or knowledge. Um, lots of schools had to back out of it then when parents did complain because they found out that their children were going to be asked to use pronouns in school. When I attended Belong To, it was, as I said earlier, it was presented to me by a friend as a gay club. Usually it was word of, word of mouth that people would find out about it. Um, but in the sense of cults or ideological groups, it comes across as an innocent self-help group or in the case of Belong To, a gay club, a safe space for young LGB people or even children who are identifying as trans um, and then it then the indoctrination began when once you got in there and it happened very quickly um, the love bombing included the the leaders clapping and cheering when one time in particular there was a trans identified teenage boy who announced when we were going through the pronouns name fact about yourself that he was coming out as a lesbian and the leaders who were 25 plus were started to clap and asked all of us to clap with them and cheer and celebrate this male coming out as a lesbian which of course is, is nonsense that a male can be a lesbian, but that's what we were expected to do. And if you didn't clap, you were questioned why. Um, the, the coming out of as trans non-binary gender fluid, that was a huge thing where you'd be massively celebrated. You got all of the attention and consistently hearing the words um, that someone was brave or beautiful, that they were coming out, that was a huge part of the love bombing aspect. Successful indoctrination requires a cult to sell the idea of a happy environment. A new recruit must be to convinced to come again and again until they become part of the family. Um, so we were told, obviously, by the leaders that it was a safe space that belong to, the doors are always open. Um, it was made out to be, it is a youth group, so having activities and pizza parties is not a huge thing but when it came then to the ideology the trans ideology it was basically all of the conversations surrounded that there was no conversations about lesbians or bi women and rarely mentions of gay men unless one of the leaders was a gay man himself it was there was um weekends arranged for trans teenagers to go away for a weekend somewhere down the country um, for a weekend of this is an actual quote from them of team building and fun um, and it was like two or three days so they were sleeping over and talking about I'm assuming binding and the other things that were disposed and belong to um, that the tough love step is when it gets nastier the goal is to induce dependency um, so we were told in the I believe it was the second session that I ever went to which I, I usually didn't stay until the end of sessions but we were told in the second session that people might people in the outside world might 
hate us, that because of our identity, because of our sexuality, that we people people in the outside world won't understand us. They might not agree with us. Your parents, your friends might hate you, might not not believe you, um, but that belong to is the safe space um, for us, and that we it was the only safe space. That was a point that was driven home numerous times, but that belong to is the only safe space that the outside world is going to hate you. I have, of course, homophobia exists, but in Ireland, I have never experienced hate because I'm a lesbian. I experience hate because I am a woman. I am shouted at on the street by men or it just general misogyny. I've never experienced true homophobia. In Dublin, at least, we are quite an accepting city and country. So it's strange that Belong To would be telling vulnerable teenagers, very obviously vulnerable with eating disorders and other mental health issues, that they were the only safe space and that the outside world, their families and friends outside of Belong To would not be there for them. Um, would not accept them or we could even attack them in a phobic attack of some sort. Um, so that there at the same time, the, the carrot and the stick, the reward and like showering with love and affirming gender identities was a huge part of that as well. Um, and then, then the renouncing the loved ones was talking about distancing yourself from transphobes both online, like blocking people, um, stopping talking to people in school who were quote unquote transphobes, which I was then called a transphobe when I said that lesbians are not attracted to trans women because they are not female and lesbian is same sex attraction, not same gender attraction. I was called a transphobe for the first time when I was 17 and I was completely mortified because I knew lots of trans people at the time and I couldn't believe that someone would call me that. So I was silenced because I understood what a lesbian was. This is a recent campaign that Belong To has done across social media, um, just showing the renouncing aspect of Belong To. The campaign is block the bad, feed the good. Um, that's, but the bad is anyone who dissents from belong to or doesn't agree with everything they they say that trans women are are women or that trans women can be lesbians. We were expected to accept trans women into lesbian spaces as lesbians into our potential dating pool in belong to, and if you weren't, you were shunned from the group. By, by peers mostly, but it wasn't, um, you weren't told off, no one was told off by the leaders if they were shunning someone in the group. Um, so this is just an example you can see that they're saying to um, block people on online, they're still doing that. And it's a whole campaign now on social media, which is, quite a large campaign. It's all over Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. The core beliefs, the introduction of the core beliefs, 
I've mentioned a few of them previously with the not mentioning of lesbians, very little mention of gay men, unless the leader was a gay man himself. Usually there would be two or three leaders. Um, the only time that I saw being a lesbian celebrated was that time that the then trans identified male teenager came out as a lesbian and we were expected to clap and cheer for that. The, the adults that were in the same session, I believe, after we had done the introductions and that lesbian boy had come out as lesbian, the one of the leaders was a trans identified female and had just received a confirmation from the doctor of a date for a double mastectomy or as belong to like to glamorize it top surgery and of course they never mentioned the risks involved or other options or anything like that and then we had to clap and cheer for that as well to celebrate this adult cutting off her healthy breasts and and we did that's that's the worst part about it we all did no one thought that that was an issue at that stage we were all very excited for this this person to to do that to get the top surgery and live their live their authentic selves that was a a buzzword used a lot um, and that it was life-saving, life-affirming care for this person. So it was an amazing thing that this woman was getting a double mastectomy. Um, there was then on the other side, there was always kind of talk surrounding how a female bodied person could change themselves to look more masculine, um, but very little talk of male to female, quote unquote, um, how they could present more feminine. Um, but the, it was how young girls, and as I've mentioned, most of the, the teenage girls were going through eating disorders, very obvious self-harm, active self-harm, and they were being told how to bind their chest, how to, where to buy packers, how to, packers being prosthetic penises to put in their underwear, to give themselves a bulge, to pass more as a man. Um, they, this, I do want to reiterate that they, they were telling 14 year old vulnerable girls this as well. They didn't, um, and it, all, all of the talk really was about the surgeries, how to, how to fund the surgeries. Belong to on their website claims that they do not promote the use of chest binders, but I would question how is it not promoting when they're saying how to hide them from your parents if you have quote unquote strict parents, how to hide your chest binder in the laundry without your parents finding out. Um, that was in my first session, they talked about that. They talked about how, how where you could buy it, that maybe send it to your friend's house, get it delivered to your friend's house so that you, your parents wouldn't see it arrive if they might open the post. 
um, if you if your parents did the laundry for you, maybe wash it in the sink instead so they don't find out the so they say they don't promote it, but they in the sessions, they definitely discuss how to hide it from your parents, how to hide other things from your parents, how to come out to your friends without your parents knowing. Um, and another huge part was that detransitioners were basically didn't exist, that no one detransitioned. That is not my experience whatsoever. I'm sure anyone who's on Twitter knows that there's a huge community of detransitioners speaking out now about the, the damaging effects of hormones and surgeries, but belong to never mentions detransitioners you you couldn't detransition anyone i know who desisted or detransitioned stopped going to belong to because it was they were no longer welcome to just be a a butch lesbian or a, an effeminate gay man that they weren't accepted the same way they were when they came out as gender fluid or transgender my one of my best friends is he's a gay man when he was going we went at the same time he was identifying as gender fluid and because he was effeminate and dressed a little bit flamboyantly and he was convinced then after attending belong to a few times that he was in fact not a man not a gay man that he was gender fluid he that lasted maybe two years for him and then he was embraced when he was gender fluid everyone spoke to him he was one of the most popular people and now he is he lost a lot of friends after coming out as a gay man and just realizing that no I'm, ju I'm just an effeminate gay man um and he's still currently losing followers getting blocked on online now because he's saying he's speaking out against trans ideology by people who we attended belong to with but he he experienced that and he was convinced that he was gender fluid because there was no way he could just be a, an effeminate gay man he must be something else um likewise one of my other very good friends, she's a straight woman, but at the time, normal questioning what is going on in your life when you're a teenager. She attended actually with my gay friend just to go with him because he didn't know anyone else attending that day. And after three times of her going as a straight woman was questioning if she was bisexual or not, she also thought that she might be non-binary or gender fluid because she liked to wear Doc Martens and what didn't like wearing skirts. That was what three three weeks she was then convinced that she was not a girl because she didn't dress dress in skirts and dresses and pink. She preferred to wear Doc Martens and baggy t-shirts. So that was the influence that I noticed. And then of the other 14 people that I know from around that time who I was acquaintances with through belong to who were trans identified or non-binary gender fluid they 
There was 16 in total, including my two good friends. Only three of them continue to identify as trans. They are on hormones, I believe. Two of them definitely are, but that means that the other 13 desisted, making it 81.25% that desisted and belong to tells us that there is no desisters, there's no detransitioners, or they're a very tiny minority. 81 to 82% is not a tiny minority. This was the biggest part was I left after. So when I was called transphobic for the first time, it was online. It was just prior to me um, attending Belong To or around the time that I started to go to Belong To. And the I, I had just said something on Facebook. There was an interaction and I just said, lesbians are not attracted to trans women because they are not female. But I was still saying like, oh, a trans woman is a woman, but lesbians are not attracted to them because they are not female. The mental gymnastics of that, I can't really fully explain how that thought process went. I Again, I was 17 at the time, but then a trans identified male then told me in the comments that I was being transphobic but wouldn't explain how I was told to educate myself that it's not trans people's jobs to educate transphobes and then when I was in belong to and that trans identified male came out as a lesbian during the group and was celebrated I I didn't clap and I realized that that was it belonged to was not a place for lesbians it wasn't a place for me because I was I didn't believe that this person could be a lesbian and that and obviously subsequently I've I've been blocked by friends I most none of them none of the people I know from belong to talk to me except my two good friends who I knew from outside of belong to they will shun anyone who desists or dissents from what they say in the group. If you if you were to question it or say, how can a lesbian be attracted to a biological male that is the opposite of what a lesbian is? You were you were shunned by the peers. It wasn't that the the adults again were doing. The, the shunning themselves but they never they would never stop it there was also talk then during the mingling sessions that the adults the leaders would walk around and just you know make sure that everyone was okay that you know that they if they needed water or anything would have a quick chat with them but the the different cliques you'd hear them talking about fucking cis people or fucking heteros gross and that was that was heard by the leaders and not stopped that was not shut down it was not questioned it was just allowed to run rampant this narrative that cis het people were out to get us and hated us and that I have to listen to that I'm a I'm just a lesbian so I fell into the category of cis 
And then of course my straight female friend who was attending, who for a period of time, I believe she was um, gender fluid. She was having to hear that the, the negative talk about straight, heterosexual, not trans identified people being talked about with such vitriol but she was being embraced massively when she was identifying out of her out of her sex that was and that's why then when you desisted you couldn't attend anymore because you were having to listen to people talk about cis people like that and so negatively and that they were evil and that they that they were disgusting with some of the things that were said and again the leaders never shut any of that down which is crazy um yeah so they it was that like zero tolerance for anyone questioning it but then also allowing really negative talk about anyone outside so it was an outsiders versus belong to mentality and it was allowed to happen by the leaders they saw it happen and they just let this all happen and with without consequence my the same gay friend friend he had completely separate from belong to on his personal facebook account didn't mention anyone didn't tag anyone or direct anything at anyone in particular there was someone who was identifying as I believe it was a rodent at the time as a furry when we were in belong to and he just put up a, a Facebook post about how furries have nothing to do with being gay or lesbian why are they being grouped in with us like they have nothing to do with gay people and he, someone who also attended Belong To, reported him to Belong To, which I don't know why they thought they had had the ability to tell him what to do outside of Belong To, but they forced him to write an apology letter to the, the person who believed they were a rat in the group. And then they banned him from the group, which if that doesn't speak volumes to how there was zero tolerance for any questioning. I don't know what else does. In their annual report, Belong To is funded by the, the department or supported by the Department of Children and Equality here in Ireland. They receive huge funding from the government. They also receive money through fundraising as an any other charity would. They received just under a, a million euro through fundraising in 2021. Um, but their the annual report for 2020, yeah, for 2020 did actually outline the funds received from government departments. That is not clearly marked out in the 2021 annual report that I can see that they have the actual figure. I know that there has been um, issues with the, the funding and the management of funding from that particular department and who which particular organizations, NGOs 
are receiving funding. Um, but that that's how much money they made through fundraising. I know that they did get more from the government in 2021 and in 2022, a, a huge grant was given to them. Just to note their another part from their annual report, there was a group, there was 8% of them were 11 to 14 year olds. I'm not sure why belong to was surveying 11 to 14 year olds when the group is 14 to 23, um, but there was 11 year olds included in this survey, but 34% said they identified as the sex that they, that they are. 35% said they, they didn't, that they identified as something else. And then 31% didn't specify. That's a, that's a huge number. The fact that there's 35%, there's 1% more from their survey that are saying that they do not identify as their biological sex of 11 to 22 year olds that they surveyed. That's a very stark number, but then, as I said, there was 16 teenagers that I knew who really, truly believed and were looking into surgeries and hormones. And some of them had gotten on waiting lists for hormones. Only three of them remain identifying as transgender and have received hormones. Thankfully, the others desisted rather than detransitioned. They didn't make it to the to the to the stage where they were taking hormones or anything thankfully but that is it's 82 percent or 81 percent that are but again belong to says that there's no detransitioners and that we have to support the these teenagers as trans and help them with getting getting their hormones or getting onto gp waiting lists for gender affirming care um, but that's that's kind of my last point there just that the stark the starkness of how many people they've interviewed who don't believe they are their biological sex compared to then the 81 percent that desisted that I knew that belong to doesn't have a space for who are just gay or lesbian men who were gender non-conforming or even and in the case of my my best friend a straight woman who was just just attended as a as a friend with the gay the gay man she then believed she wasn't her own gender so I think maybe the people they're surveying are people who are actively attending belong to and could be caught up in all of that when I was attending, I know that I did drink the Kool-Aid. I was fighting with my family about it. I was saying that my trans-identified female partner from the time was my boyfriend. And there was many an argument in this house over it. Now, obviously I know that I'm actually just a lesbian and she was just, uh, she has desisted, thankfully, and that, but she just had short hair. She was just a, 
a bisexual, she's a bisexual who had short hair at the time and I was calling her my boyfriend. So that's, that's how deep it was. And it's taken a long time to realize how insane all of this is. And I'm still having to, what, almost eight years later, still unlearning things and language that was used and realizing that no, a trans woman is, cannot be a lesbian and a, a teenage girl should not be being told by adults how to find her breasts and how she could set up a GoFundMe or any of the other methods of quote unquote becoming a man and living her as her true authentic self as a, as a man they it's taken a long time to get myself out of that um thankfully I have and now I realize how damaging it is and that is why I speak up about it and speak up particularly about belong to and the dangers of it just because they are so heavily funded but that's that's my piece <laughs> are you aware of any policy documents in belong to that sets out a strategy to recruit people into the cult or do you think it's just that they really believe in their own philosophy Finally, do you know if their funding is predicated on them pushing queer and trans ideology? So I don't know if they have a written document about the, the recruiting. I know the fact that they go into schools, they also are in being consulted in government departments. I know that they go and talk, they're basically get asked about every policy in government. Um, what their opinion would be the same with Tenny. Tenny is the Trans Equality Network Ireland. They are consulted in government departments heavily in the Department of Children and Equality and the Department of Education. I know that both groups are consulted. So I don't know if they necessarily have a policy of how they go about recruiting people. As I said, we I found out about it through word of mouth. I believe that's where most of my friends, at least, they just heard it from other friends or friends of friends that there was this quote unquote gay club that we could go to and meet other gay, lesbian and bi people. Um, obviously that's not how it ended up being. Um, I don't know if the funding is that it's predicated on the, the trans ideology aspect. I do know that the, the department that does fund them heavily does push for gender ideology um, and he the minister that is the head of that department he does um, choose Tenny and belong to and other LGBT heavily the TQ, TQ part of that group um, he chooses them to fund more heavily than other groups such as the the traveler organizations or um there was a fund for Mag uh, magdalene laundry redress scheme and they were money was taken away from their budget and given to belong to and tenny that is what i do know i don't know if they it's a requirement to be tq heavy but that's i do know that funding was taken from a budget for other minority groups or redress schemes and given to 
the LGBTQ groups. The second question is uh, within sociological studies of cults, near religious uh, movements, we see all the time that the animosity between insiders, the members, and outsiders, which are the family and friends, make it harder for members to leave the group should they want to. How can we criticize and still not feed the isolation on youth and children in the trans community? From my experience, I'm, I'm not really sure how to go about criticizing without isolating say your your child your young your young daughter or son who's attending belong to I don't know how you could get them out without them feeling isolated because it's so ingrained in you that because you're told by belong to that people are not going that the outside world is not going to agree with you they're going to to hate you they're transphobic homophobic any other phobic that I involves gender identity um like as I said I was I was fighting with my mom a lot I just stopped going because of the lesbian man coming out and I knew that it wasn't a place for me I'm not sure how you would criticize without making your child like without affirming that rhetoric for your for a child to say like that you could criticize belong to or the ideologies without them turning around and saying oh this is what belong to told me this is what belong to told me you would do that you wouldn't agree with me that you that you're transphobic that you hate trans people um that's something that i think that we can all try and figure out together i think that's something we have to figure out is how to criticize the cult without pushing away our loved ones further into the cult but I'm stumped I'm still trying to like unlearn cult behavior mm -hmm. so I don't know how you'd go about it unfortunately and now we have uh, our own Tracy Dempsey she's uh, WGDI country contact for Northern Ireland and she was one of the speakers uh, last week at the Standing for Women demo in, in Belfast she was one of the highlights. It was very difficult to stand out because it was fantastic, but uh, you were over the top. So really, really, we are very glad to have you here, Tracy. over to you. So I'm just giving a, a very brief update from the Let Women Speak event in Northern Ireland last Sunday, because it was the first one we've had on the island of Ireland. Um, and for a bit of contact, uh, context, Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. That's the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So we're part of the UK. We have devolved government, but not currently at present. It was toppled recently, so we don't have a standing government. Um, and we are also part, obviously, of the island of Ireland. And there are quite a lot of cross-border bodies um, including trans and queer organisations that are lobbying and working together um, north and south. Um, so that great presentation by Neve focused on belong to, but as another example, Tenny, the Transgender Equality Network Ireland, has lobbied the Irish government even more than Facebook. And you could imagine how often Facebook has lobbied government. Um, and that has included trying to get the Irish government to put pressure on the Northern Irish government to bring in self-ID in the north. So currently we don't have self-ID in Northern Ireland. We're part of the UK. Uh, well, we don't have explicit self-ID like the rest of the UK. We have de facto self-ID because it is a criminal offence to disclose if someone has a GRC, a gender recognition certificate. 
So in practice, people don't question and men are getting access to women's spaces all the time. Um, we've seen Isla Bryson in Scotland um, was put in a woman's prison, uh, even though we don't have self-ID uh, ostensibly in the United Kingdom. So the alarm is real and Ireland is just that little bit further ahead of us. Um, and we're all trying to work together to resist it. So last Sunday, as I said, was the first Let Women Speak on the island of Ireland. It should have been the second. There had been one planned for Dublin on the Saturday. But last weekend, we were also celebrating the 25th um, anniversary of our peace accord in Northern Ireland, the Good Friday Agreement, where the majority of us voted to bring an end to decades of bloody violence. Um, of what was called the Troubles in Northern Ireland. So the Irish police force in the south, the Gardaí, um, were going to be stretched to capacity and I believe the organisers decided women's safety couldn't be guaranteed and that's why Dublin was cancelled. What this meant was a lot of anti-woman activists travelled up from Dublin to um, protest us but also a lot of pro-woman resistors did the same. So uh, the original venue that was announced was a place called Writers Square and immediately some of our so-called feminist organisations applied for a permit to put on um, basically a cabaret. They said they'd been inspired by Let Women Speak Glasgow recently where some drag artists organised a cabaret against hate um, to drown out the women speakers. So they tried to do the same thing and when the real location was um, announced two days before Let Women Speak in a different part of the city, then some of the trans activists got very angry that they wouldn't be able to drown us out. And there was a bit of a split over there. Some of them said they wanted to protest not with songs, but with bodies. And there were some memes shared on social media with images of guns and things. So I'm happy to report that unlike New Zealand with the most awful violence and to anybody from New Zealand watching this either now or on the playback, our hearts go out to you. That was absolutely terrifying and it did scare off some people from attending in Belfast as well. But the organisers who are a fantastic team of women, Standing for Women in Northern Ireland, um, they were liaising very closely with our police force and they had a dedicated contact. Uh, we were all sharing the threats that were being made and saying you need to take this seriously. Um, and because it was the um, 25th anniversary and Biden was over, we already had a heightened um, security level. MI5, the UK uh, counterintelligence agency, had raised our threat from, I think it was from substantial to severe at the end of March. So some women were obviously uh, worried about traveling because of that. But it did mean that the police were taking these threats seriously. So when I arrived with um, people, let's say, in uh, to the event in Belfast. I went past the original location that was empty, bar two police officers on bicycle. And we came around the corner to the big fish where our event was to be held. And instantly there was a sea of trans flags and a lot of noisy protesters. Uh, they had um, loud healers or microphones and were just playing pop music and shouting awful slogans like Nazi scum and other kind of uh, vicious slurs. So we ended up, we parked somewhere different so that we wouldn't have to walk past those. There was definitely a lot of tension at the start of the event. People didn't really know what to expect. Um, but the police, as you, you'd be able to see on any of the footage online, the police had their back to the woman facing the trans activists because that's where the threat was coming from. Um, so some of the trans activists did try to breach the lines and get over into our group. And the police did a great job of holding them back. So it was notable as well that a lot of women traveled to be with us. 
we actually weren't sure how many Northern Irish women would take the microphone. Um, we have a tiny population. It's, it was 1.9 million in the 2021 census and everybody knows everybody else here. There are a lot of friendships and families that are split down the middle on this issue, unfortunately, in large part due to the indoctrination Neve has just described. Um, so we weren't sure how many would show their face. There aren't many of us speaking under our own name um, for fear of uh, abuse or job loss. Um, but we had many more surprise speakers, surprise to us, they haven't been involved in our groups as yet, recruitment this last week into WDI, Standing for Women, Women's Rights Network has been brilliant, so many people have got in touch, so many men have got in touch to offer support as well, um, and I do have a group that has both men and women, so there's a place for fathers, um, gay and bisexual men to, to organise their ideas as well. So we've got lots of different groups all trying to resist this here. And it was just wonderful to have our sisters come up from South of Ireland, come over from Scotland. I believe one woman had traveled from Canada. Um, we had another Spanish speaker, as we were chatting about before, Amparo, um, who seems to be living here. So we're trying to find her. Um, but it was really it went from a very tense atmosphere to a really joyful and heartbreaking one. These events all a mix of emotions because some of the speakers would move you to tears with what they discuss and it was just so depressing to hear women bear their souls share their testimonies and stories of their abuse their fears and being drowned out by the usual sloganeering and pop music blasted over uh, the microphone um, i know last week we had a great presentation by um the artist Bertie Rose and she was talking about you know just the 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 conformity of the art scene um, and she's completely right the funding in Northern Ireland it has all these strings on it now that and that promote inclusion of so-called non-binary and trans identities um, to qualify for funding so we're having a real stifling effect on the arts in Northern Ireland a real stultifying atmosphere of conformity and lack of any real creative thinking um, and there were many people present at the protest who are receiving a lot of funding either through the arts or as part of the official um, women's sector in Northern Ireland. And we know they're in a bubble because I have whistleblowers all getting in touch with me regularly, telling me stories about what's happening in the arts. So it was the first large scale public demonstration here, but it wasn't the first gathering. Some of the women who spoke on Sunday had already um, had an event at the BBC after Stephen Nolan had his Stonewall podcast where he exposed um, Stonewall's power in the civil service in GB. And um, some of the women had gone to the BBC to support that work and protest the loss of women's rights. They'd also gone to Belfast City Hall last year on International Women's Day and held up placards and spoke and engaged passersby very well. And the official International Women's Day event in Belfast that year included a man who calls himself a woman leading a chorus of boos to the turfs at City Hall um, saying that we're the real International Women's Day event. So yeah, this, this is the start of things actually being covered in the press. Um, some of you will have seen as well that we had um, violence in pubs after the event. So we had to disperse quickly from the venue and find a pub to go and meet at. And I had a hunch that some of the activists would phone around all their friends in various bars in the city centre and warn them that turfs were on their way. And sure enough, one of them admitted that on Twitter later. 
Um, we had gone to the first pub where some of the staff member were filmed on camera saying they wouldn't serve turfs or they wouldn't serve women in suffragette colours. Uh, there was a lot of heated argument at the bar and a barman uh, allegedly headbutted, I say allegedly because I didn't see it, but he has been cautioned, I believe. So headbutted a, a gay man in his 60s, um, leaving him with a split eyebrow here. And we all had to leave and go to another bar where again, bar staff told a woman that she couldn't wear a woman won't wish t-shirt. So she swiftly removed the t-shirt and stood in her bra at the bar. So I believe there are inquiries being made now as to legal action um, on the basis of discrimination. Um, in Northern Ireland, we don't have the Equality Act 2010. A lot of people aren't aware of that. That only applies in Great Britain. What we have is a completely convoluted mess of overlapping uh, anti-discrimination legislation. But because we're Northern Ireland and political beliefs have been the cause of much conflict, we actually have more protections on the basis of political opinion. So bars are specifically mentioned in guidance from our Equality Commission, which is captured, but more on that another time. They do still say that bars aren't allowed to um, deny service to people on the basis of their political opinion or lack of political opinion. So it's going to be interesting now to see what the legal fallout is from Sunday's violence by trans activists. But all in all, it was a massively positive event, very affirming, wonderful to meet many of our sisters from around the UK and Ireland in person. And as I said, a lot of people are now getting in touch about the declaration about standing for women, women's rights network. And, and I'm sure the same happened with the Countess who, who came up as well with placards. So a wonderful day. And to any of you who were there, thanks a million for coming and to everyone else who watched online and commented, we really appreciate, appreciate that too. It's given everybody a massive lift here. And Tracy, do you have anything to add? I suppose one of the key things for me that we're working on in WDI UK as well is to get a statement ready about repealing the GRA. Um, as you know, this has been WDI's position for a long time. At Sunday's event, I, I talked about the live petition that's currently um, up with the UK government about repealing the GRA. I'll put a link into the chat here. Um, basically, as I said, we have de facto self-ID and Actual in-law self-ID just simplifies what already is a process where we're trusting um, medical experts and legal experts to um, judge whether a man is lying when he says he's a woman or not. Like the whole thing is farcical to me. So um, we do need to get some coordinated campaigns going. Um, we need to stop the falsification of documents in the UK because if people aren't aware, you don't even need a gender recognition certificate to get a falsified passport or driver's license. That's a matter of policy. So if we're going for easy wins, that's one thing that we need to go after. Um, another campaign that we're working on in Northern Ireland that needs to be international is the Ladies Gaelic Football Association uh, policy recently that says that men can play football with women and girls. Mm -hmm. Um, and Gaelic football is kind of enjoying popularity in many countries where Irish expats live. So it has got an international dimension. We are trying to coordinate some um, template letters that parents can use to, to put pressure on the LGFA, first of all, to explain their decision, um, and secondly, to reverse it. Um, and in Ireland, we have a very big pharma dimension because after the property bubble that was called the Celtic Tiger um, some time ago, Big Pharma is one kind of growth area in the Irish economy. Um, Arcus funds so much of what is happening with the TQ organisations in Ireland as elsewhere in Europe. Um, so we need to 
work cross-border here and with UK and other countries where we have ladies Gaelic football. So um, we will have new websites going up for Women's Declaration UK and Northern Ireland and hopefully Ireland as well. So people will be able to join in campaigns there. Um, and for now, you can use the country contacts link on the website, womensdeclaration.com to find us. Thank you very much. Uh, we're about to finish and I would like to uh, say some of the things that were not um, programmed. Uh, I want to apologize for the uh, trolls we have had in the chat, but there's some glitch because some people are able to post under a name that doesn't appear on the list of participants. So it is very difficult uh, to expel them. We will try to find the glitch and then um, improve it. We'll uh, call our, our uh, tech sisters uh, to tell us how to do that. So uh, until we can do that, I would advise anyone, please do not engage in um, um, quarrels, uh, so to say. Um, sometimes some statements are just a provocation, are just to, to provoke a reaction. And I think we should, uh, we should be um, able to uh, rise above um, the, uh, those uh, cheap provocations and then um, leave it there. Because if no one pays attention to them, they, that's the best thing we can do. And the worst thing for them is that no one will pay attention to them. So maybe next time we can, we can do that if there's no way of technically uh, expelling uh, people. Here, I will also would like to thank very much uh, Veronica Lopez, who was in the chat and spontaneously, when she heard that we didn't have a translation into Spanish today, she took on that on her, to, she took on her to translate everyone. So she has been writing in Spanish uh, what the speakers were saying. She did that for the three of them. So thank you very much, Veronica. Thank you, you, you have been most kind. And uh, so and then final apologies, there's no one in tech today, it's me for everything. So please forgive uh, anything that might have come wrong because it's uh, it's complicated being um, in front and behind the camera, <laughs> so to say. So now the final messages and I will share a slide with uh, the details for the breakout rooms because for some reason I cannot pass the link on the Q&A only on the chat. So, but I will have the slide for a couple of minutes so you can um, note down the number and ID of the breakout room so you can uh, so you can join in later. And oh, Tracy, I yes. put the link into the Q&A in response oh. to Sally Tatnell's question. Fantastic. So it's there already. Next week, we're going to have a very interesting um, webinar because we will have Leslie Sudok and Suzanne Wierling from the, U from, uh, from the USA, but also we will have Sheila Jeff Jeffries, our own Sheila Jeffries, who will talk about the 8th March principles a charter of men's sexual sexual rights. I don't know whether you've been um, you you caught the recent news of these new principles promoted by the same people that promoted the Yoga Carta many years ago. And uh, she has been digging some information, and she will uh, um, tell us about that. So uh, I will advise I would advise everyone to be here uh, next week, at the same time. 
Thank you, of course, to the WDI team. Um, I'm Thea and Kate, discussion room coordinators today. Uh, Sheila Jeffries, Tracy Dempsey, and Sam Daglio with coordination, and Vashnavi Sundar on video editing. Of course, everyone here, I thank you for the sisterhood. Uh, if you would like to volunteer to do something with WDI, such as promote the declaration, social media, or any other idea you have, Please fill in the volunteer form and join us. It's fabulous being a feminist, but it is better being an activist. The form is available at our website. And also thank you very much to our donors who make possible these webinars, because uh, we have to cover costs of the Zoom, emailing platform, websites, video editing, and of other admin costs. Some women donate regularly. Thank you very much. Um, uh, to them, but also uh, every now and then, anything, um, no, no small amount is small, everything helps. So please join our fabulous uh, financial supporters also at the donate uh, link that it's uh, at our website. So now I'm going to share my, my screen to show you the, the um, slide for the um, uh, breakout rooms today and see you some other time. Thank you very much, everyone, for being here. Thank you. Bye.